Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Not Just Politics podcast. The following is a conversation with Alex Darlington. He is the founder of The Stair Party, a community-focused third party in Pennsylvania. We sat down to talk about his work with The Stair Party, his problems with the two-party system that is currently being run in the United States, and also a little bit about uh, how his work in the third party movement ties into our work in the bridge building movement. Uh, it was a very fun episode. I met Alex a uh, while back, and we've been uh, just friends on social media. This is our first time meeting up, so I hope you enjoy this episode. I think that was perfect. Oh. That was perfectly executed. Yummy. Quite delicious. Quite delicious? Absolutely. What was? Everyone hitting record at the same time? Yeah, I mean, the sync up of the buttons, you know, really brought your ears to really feel the moment, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Just kind of like scratching of of nails on a chalkboard. That's that no. Absolutely. Absolutely not. That does not. I hate that noise. That's the worst one. You hate it. I love it. And That's because okay. of that, I thrive and rise above the ashes. You, <laughs> <laughs> you sir, are but, this guy. Uh, but soil in the ground. But that's good because everyone needs soil. <laughs> this guy just waffles 20. You just, you just waffle 24-7. Absolutely. Like that's just, you're just riffing all the time. I think it's it's important to just constantly say the most uh, esoteric and goofy things, and in order to get people to just catch a catch an eye. Because once can I be completely honest? Mm -hmm. I don't think I know exactly what esoteric even means. I don't think I do either. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't. Why think, are you using it then? Because I like the word, <laughs> okay. and I know it's used for. It's used to describe, I know the basic idea of it, it's used to describe things that are um, kind of like conspiratorial. Like mm. if you're talking about a secret conspiracy or a secret society of some sort and they have knowledge that they don't share with the rest of the people. Right. That's considered esoteric. Like the CIA or something like that. Yeah. Or like gotcha. the, the masonry. Like a, a okay. upper echelons, you know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. Something like that. Absolutely. Okay. Are you a conspiracy theory kind of guy? Not really. <coughs> um, <clears throat> I don't really have any conspiracy theories that off the top of my head that I really get down with. Gotcha. I There's some interesting ones for sure. I think mm -hmm. the JFK one where it's like he was killed by the CIA. CIA is a really interesting one. Yeah, that one is interesting. Yeah. Because he did say right before he got shot, he was like, I'm going to I'm going to abolish the CIA. Yeah, like shatter into a thousand pieces or whatever he said and like scatter it to the winds. Yeah. So Stuff like that. Yeah. It, it brings up I think that conspiracy brings up a good topic of how much power does other agencies have over our conventional systems of government mm -hmm. like right that's the idea of the deep state sort of mm. as far as i know it like the the people in washington that aren't elected that have more power in some ways than our actual elected officials i mean if that's if that's the definition of a deep state of, of unelected officials having more power than elected officials i mean that's not too far off from what well, that might not be the official definition, but that's from what I—that's what I understand it to be, mm. and I could be wrong. I think but. there, 
I think there might be a lot, like, from what I've seen on the internet and stuff, there's definitely, they, I, I at least think there should be, there's a lot more to it. I think there's a whole, because it, it originates from QAnon, right? Yeah, I think so, which that one isn't even a thing anymore, right? They just kind of, they just kind of stopped that whole, I haven't seen it, I haven't heard about, I haven't heard about QAnon in like a year. I, I have, uh, I have specifically made my Twitter feed, I've been, I've been conf- like refining it so that I can get certain things and I've been so once in a while I get like a nice little juicy juicy uh worm of of conspiracy theories yeah. like these people that believe that Donald Trump he's going to come out of nowhere and he's going to come in like as a, like a like a like, superman like a beam of light from the sky and he's going to like float <laughs> down the second coming you know what I yeah. mean yeah and you just kind of see them go on these Twitter threads, like these 50, 50 tweet Twitter threads, and post the most... I mean, it's just a bunch of jargon put together. And yeah, they're like, no... Conspiracy? I don't know, guys. This might be the big one right now. <laughs> they say it every time, and it's never, it's never the big one. They might be right one day. Like, one day, they're going to be like... The the walls, there's secretly people in your walls, and yeah. um, they're coming in. And are they, are they gonna... little people in the walls, or there's full-sized <laughs> people in the walls? I actually go goblin hunting on the regular. Uh, <laughs> I go in the forests, and I set up little traps and put little cheese in there. Unfortunately, I have only gotten foxes and raccoons, but I am hoping one day, because I know, I know they exist in there. I know right. they exist. You know it, because you saw a YouTube video from 20 2005 that's like four pixels at like two frames a second and it's like look at that there it is it's a goblin yeah, like yeah. that type stuff the um the finding bigfoot people yeah. we found him this is the one like how is is that show still running the the bigfoot one finding bigfoot i think it's right i think it's still going strong right next to hunting hitler <laughs> it has to be those things get good views bro <laughs> I guess some people watch those because it's just stupid, and they just watch it knowing that it's stupid. But I think there some people actually believe. That's what I think. I, uh, Hitler would be like well over a hundred years old, right? I think the idea of the hunting Hitler show is to see if he actually went to Argentina, right? But uh, I saw this interesting. I saw like a a little mini video mm-hmm. on where the hit. Uh, Hitler in Argentina thing originated and actually originated from the Soviet Union. It originated from Stalin because he was a he was a little bit of a, a paranoid freak. And well, you don't say. What? Well, you don't say. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you guys know this, but Stalin's actually a, a little paranoid. He was a little bit of a goofster. You might want to look into him a little bit. A little bit of a goofster. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was a... Ooh. Uh, so yeah, I mean, because isn't that the claim is like the Soviet Union got the body of Hitler and then whenever they DNA'd the bones or whatever, it like wasn't, but if that comes out of the Soviet Union, I don't think we should trust that information. I don't remember exactly why he said it, uh, 
I honestly don't remember any of the details. So don't take this as, as gospel. Don't take this as, as fact, right? Uh, I just saw a goofy video online, and I thought it was really interesting. And, it's, and, and it must be true, then, because it it's must, on the I saw, Yeah, I saw, I saw an article online. A reputable from, source. Absolutely, from... Uh, Trustmebro.com. Yeah, uh, where they have, like, 15,000 ads to the side and the bottom and the top of, of like, 15 things Coca-Cola can do for you. Yeah, and I and I saw this this one page by uh, definitely not an AI written bot that said <laughs> that said Stalin is the one who can produce the Arge Hitler and Argentina conspiracy, and you know I've just been absorbing that knowledge, absolutely, absorbing all those random articles. Yeah, and now I know everything you need to do with Coca Cola bottles, uh, bananas, honestly, any just various fruits that you find on the street. I know I can. I now know that if I stick it in my, my. Uh, Don't my be, be careful. Oh, your engine. Okay. Yeah, you stick in your engine. It actually, it actually gives it a little boost. Put orange juice in your in your engine as well. Put put orange juice in your full fuel thing. It actually helps out. Make okay, sure to do okay, that, okay, everyone. Okay, I've been playing along, but now I have to. I have to stop you, folks. Don't put. <laughs> I don't know anything about cars, but don't put orange juice in your engine. That can't be good. <laughs> I have maybe to stop don't. this. I have to stop this now. Some, okay. guy, <laughs> well, some guy was thinking about it. Maybe maybe I should. <laughs> yeah. Should do a yeah, one of, of our viewers was actually gonna do it. No, please don't. Well, we we met in in like October on the Say What Needs Saying Network. That's, That's the first time that we met. Was on that call. Yeah. It was on a podcast with Zach talking about the two party system. And also third parties, and I was there because I was still I was still working with the forward party at the time. Mm. And then you showed up, and that's how we met. And then we connected over Discord. You know what? That actually makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Now it's clicking in my brain because yeah, I was originally thinking like I was originally thinking that wasn't the case for some reason, but that narrative makes sense. That's the first time that we met. Yeah, and then we connected over Discord, and then turns out. That you were here. I didn't know you were coming. I had no idea. And then Christian told me a couple of days before we left. Yeah, I I got notified. I forgot what the text was, but I know that Christian he said that he was going to this, mm -hmm. and I was and I said I was thinking to myself, well maybe I sh I texted. And I was like, uh, do you have the convention link or something? Yeah. And I applied for the scholarship, and it was good to go. Uh, one, I think one of the things that I starting to realize with the conferences. I think me and Christian talked about it, which is that conferences they they when it comes to the scholarships of like getting there for free, mm -hmm. they act they Christian said it he said it, it they act like it's exclusive, but for for a lot of the times it it isn't cuz they're trying to meet a quota so that they can go to their donors and say, "Oh, look how many people showed up for this." Right. And <clears throat> There's a, especially in a lot of areas the the pool the resource pool of young individuals that first of all know about these conferences and are willing to go to them yeah kind of it's not that large so there's just kind of money being thrown around <laughs> and a to lot get of people to show up to the convention yeah a lot of areas there's just just a lot of money being thrown around in politics especially at young people to try to get them to do stuff for. Try to lure them in. You don't have to have that on there if you don't want it. I just put it on there because sometimes people oh. like it for the handheld stuff. You don't have to have that on there. Well, looky here. I'm I'm about to upgrade. Okay. 
go ahead. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're here, and um, I was wanting to have you on the podcast uh, since we met, but it was like you're over in... I'm over in Kutztown. Yeah, Kutztown. Yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Okay. Yeah. So which is which is not anywhere close to Pittsburgh. Like it's, it's only like a couple minute drive. It's it's about as far away as you can get within the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, on a real note, it is. Yeah. I mean, unless you unless you lived in Easton, like there is there is a state on the border of New Jersey. I do I do feel bad for them for that, and. <laughs> If you drew from there to Pittsburgh, that that would definitely have to be the longest drive, or from Philly to Pittsburgh. Yeah, Philly to Pittsburgh is like five hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but anyway, so so let's drive, let's jump, let's jump into this, and that's we connected over that. We connected on that podcast episode talking about third parties. You are not a two party system supporter. I am a. So can yeah. you can you talk to our audience? Because uh, I, I haven't really brought up that work that I did or any sort of that topic. I don't really think at all. We have never really talked about this kind of stuff. Not that I can remember, at least. Mm. So can you sort of lay out, I guess for starters, your argument against the two-party system and why you're a, a third-party guy? Yeah. I am <clears throat> I'm definitely a duopoly despiser. Okay. <laughs> and I would say that the main reason I don't like the two-party system is that I'm not a fan of the polarization we see in this country. Mm-hmm. The division in this country I see is it's kind of heartbreaking in yeah. a lot of areas. So I do point, like, when it, call, when it comes to, like, the Braver Angels Convention, they're mm-hmm. doing some really important work when it comes to helping out communities by having these, in, these workshops mm-hmm. and trying to get people to talk together of different ideologies. But I think that also the polarization and the division issue is much more systematic. And I think that the two-party system and what it fosters Mm -hmm. is what is causing a lot of division we see in the country right now. If you look at the rhetoric that a lot of these politicians are doing, they are making sure to, in a lot of their talk and a lot of their rhetoric, making sure that the the word like Democrats or Republicans are seen as the other and they're seen as bad. Yeah. And... The reason I think they do that is if you look at federal Congress especially, their main goal, in my opinion, for the Democratic uh, Democratic Party and the Republican Party is to keep the money flowing. Mm-hmm. And in order to keep the money flowing, <clears throat> I think the, a, a good old divide and rule strategy has been working quite, quite well for them. If you I, – I think about how – our nation's economy and our quality of life has been deteriorating over time. Poverty rates have been rising. People living to paycheck to paycheck is going up. And mm-hmm. people able to afford a house or you know basic living is starting to be a more struggle for a lot of people day in, day out, right? Mm-hmm. And this is... To me, result of you mean I mean I know that the the thing is like well the Republicans have done this or well the Democrats have done this, but yeah. I think that they're both I think they both have blood on their hands, mm-hmm. and they're thinking to themselves well what do we do, right? We have this situation 
we're not really running the economy. We're not really, really running the country very well. And we want to continue this position. And it's kind of caused by the corruption. We see this culture of corruption in Congress. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, what do we do? And I mean, it, it works pretty well. If you look at how people start to, and you look especially online, how people demonize each other. If, yeah. you, they, if they see even an R next to someone's name or a D next to someone's name, it's just this person's the enemy. Yeah. Instead of people looking at the enemy as the upper echelon, the people that caused the issue in the first place, they see their fellow neighbor as the enemy. And what yeah. has resulted is in the destruction of the American community, in my opinion. So because of that, I am a firm duopoly despiser. Yeah. I think that we need to build something from the outside and push in and we need to stop with this thing of you know, this is the most important election of our lifetime or the cuz if you look at the election cycles, they always have some new fearmonger method yeah. to make sure that you keep voting. Um <clears throat> this is the one election. If they win, it's over. That's you. That's the basic thing. It's whether it's it's some sort of different issue each time, mm-hmm. and they make sure to keep doing that in order to keep you voting. And what's that's going to result in, in my opinion, is the eventually is the situation is going to continue to deteriorate. More and more people are going to start living paycheck to paycheck. Poverty is going to rise because at the end of the day, they're not focused on governing. They're focused on on uh, maintaining the flow of money by whatever means possible. And when if the country does just, I mean, if 50% of uh, Americans think the civil war is going to happen, if that does happen, I mean, just like you see in, in Russia with the oligarchy there, mm-hmm. they're just going to flee the country. They don't care about you. Uh, once they're done with making the moolah and making a, a total mess of things, my generation and future generations are going to have to clean up the mess. And yeah. I'm tired of it. Yeah, I am too. So I guess the the argument that gets thrown at, at you, I'd imagine, all the time is like the wasted vote argument. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, well, Alex... I do because I do agree with you that they the, the elections do a lot of fear mongering. Uh, I I do agree with that. I think that <clears throat> every time they, I'm curious. Do you think that do you think that people are getting tired of it and checking out a little bit? Because that's to me is like what would like I'm getting tired of seeing it. And to me, it's like in some ways um, I don't want to vote anymore just because it's the same. It's the same stuff every time as it goes like you said if they win then it's all over it's all gonna get wrecked like we're we're gonna be in a tough situation and i'm 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 gonna keep voting i don't think i'll vote for republicans and democrats for a while but um but i kind of feel like that so but they would say to you you know alex i um i am afraid that if whatever candidate gets elected that they're gonna do lasting damage and also um, if a third party can't actually put a candidate up to get in a position to win, then I feel like my vote's being wasted. So there's a mi- that multiple – the first thing we have to realize is there's multiple different levels of what people – what I think the argument goes for. So the first one is president, then it's governor, then it's senate, and then you go into local elections, which is a completely different area. Yeah. To me, in my opinion, the real wasted vote is with the two-party system because you're either – if you think that the Republicans or Democrats or if you're 
for the person of the lesser of two evil arguments, you're, first of all, you're still voting for evil. You already have recognized that. It's That's just true. A, a lesser evil. And then my next question to those people is – are you voting because you don't want – it's like you either choose. It's either the economy is going to get fucked and t- – can I curse? Yeah. Okay. It's either the economy is going to get screwed over in 10 years or 20 years, right? And I prefer – now, this might be a little bit of a controversial take, but I would rather just my economy not get destroyed. Mm-hmm. And if you look at – if you look at it from that perspective of – at the end of the day, either of these two parties, their main function function is uh, clearing the way to have their flow of money, and either one of them is not interested in actually doing any systematic reform or structural reform needed to put the country in the right direction and to fix the economy, because that would result in them losing, in my opinion. Then it starts to become more clear that... Voting for them is just continuing the status quo for no reason. And if you look at the rhetoric online, when third-party voting starts to become a a real topic, for example, we're seeing this with Cornell West running. A lot of – and I've seen it in leftist circles. uh, Cornell West running is a big controversial thing because he's going to steal votes from the Democrats and and Trump's going to win or the Republicans are going to win. It's going to be all over. Mm -hmm. And what that – see, that – thing for me when i see that type of rhetoric over a cornell west running which is most likely he's going to get maybe one to three percent of the vote for president mm-hmm. it just makes me think my vote probably matters more voting for a third party because people are complaining more about this one to three percent of the population when i see online rhetoric than anything else mm-hmm. and the more the conversation happens, that's the other thing I see, especially on the local level. A lot of people simply just don't know there's alternatives out there. Yeah. You start – if you start – it's like, oh, wait, there is more than either of the two parties. Mm-hmm. And then you start to realize that the wasted vote myth, the lesser two evil argument, all of this usually happens in chronically online circles. <laughs> And a lot of people do want an alternative. And if you see the statistics, uh, the biggest one that I see, I mean, people point to like the rise of independence, Mm -hmm. uh, independent identification. And people also point to the more and more people want a third party, like 50 something percent. Yeah. Or and then but the main one I point to is that in 1994, only six percent of the population saw both the Republicans and Demo- – they didn't like either the Republicans or Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Now in 2023 or 2022, I forgot when the poll was put out. This is from Pew Research Center. 27% of the people population now doesn't like either of the two parties. And that I think is the much more important statistic of people that are so fed up. They don't – they're start. they also are moving away from the lesser of two evils argument in one form or another, and they're saying – both of these parties don't represent me. They're not going to help me. Mm. And those people are more willing to try something new. Right. And when it comes to your vote, if you're wanting to see something new in the country, I do highly recommend voting third party. If you start talking in spaces about third parties and against the two-party system, start people opening and just simply beginning that conversation in your local communities – People start to think about it. 
because mm-hmm. like I said, people don't know there's alternatives. You yeah. have to you have to start talking about it. At my university, the conversation about third parties simply did not exist. Mm-hmm. Now it does. And now people are talking about it. Now there's people thinking about it. And now people are like, hmm, maybe I should go away from the two-party system. There was a professor I talked to. There was a, one of my professors. She is she's awesome. And in it was the November, it was the 2022 midterms. Mm-hmm. And in class, she was talking about the lesser two evils in her class. And so I had to raise my hand. You had to. I had to raise my hand. Had to say something. I had to make my opinion known. What is is the world going to be without my opinion? (laughs) People are really missing out. (laughs) People are really missing out without my opinion being spouted and my my nonsense being out there. A a white man spouting his opinion on the two-party system. Who, Who would have expected this one? (laughs) <laughs> um, but I talked to, I gave my spiel and eventually I talked to her a few days later and she said, yeah, I moved away. I'm registered and independent and I'm going to start voting. Uh, I'm started thinking about voting more for independent and third party candidates. So mm-hmm. I'm rambling here a bit, but that's my main point that I want to get across is that for voting, the, for voting third party, I think that not only are you not wasting your vote. I think you're wasting your vote. Continue to vote for a system you don't like. Mm -hmm. But I also think your vote matters much more when you vote third party in one form or another because if you see the slightest tick, the slightest idea that there is going to be a third party that makes a a significance in an election, then media and a lot of people go ballistic when they Mm -hmm. see that. Your vote makes a seer. It's not just, you know, you put your vote in and it's like whatever, right? Your vote makes people start a conversation. Mm-hmm. Do you worry about, um, I guess, do you worry about demonizing elected officials uh, whenever you bring up that argument? Because at the convention, um, Governor Utah Governor Spencer Cox was up on stage. Did, were you there for his talk? I believe so, yes. Okay, what did you think? Overall, I'm going to give just like an overall umbrella answer. Sure. Because it applies to all of it. So for those for those types of officials, especially in federal Congress, I, I run off of the policy of forgive the people, not the politicians. I, okay. I can never – I don't think I'll ever – forgive politicians uh, especially a lot of them for causing the polarization and the division we see that they 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 know they're causing like they know they're doing it um and sometimes i think to myself that with a i mean i'm really happy that the governor came here and and made his talk and and gave support and, and against polarization and against division but there's always a thing in my mind of, do you actually believe this, or do you actually are you actually going to do something, mm-hmm. or are you some, are you going to continue? Number one, being a part of the system as Utah governor, I believe he's Republican, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
being a part of one of the two parties that perpetuate this, being in the upper echelon, and not really. I, I'm I'm skeptical of of there's a lot there's the talk and then there's the action, mm-hmm. and so far I mean there definitely there's some talk from people of we want to be a bipartisan or we want to be uh, we want to heal the divide, and there's a I have another I I think the word we need to be bipartisan is also loaded because. I think that the, especially in federal Congress, I think it's already bipartisan in a lot of areas uh, because they both have the same goals, overall goals. Both of those parties have the overall same goals. So when the Utah governor comes in and talks about polarization, I'm like, cool, thank you. Uh, But I'm skeptical about if you actually believe this or are you just trying to make sure that because in your district or in your area – it, it's popular to talk about it, and like many other promises that politicians make, a lot of other issues that p- politicians talk about, they like to talk about it, but they don't feel like it. Act- they don't. <clears throat> they don't actually want to change it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think my philosophy so far is changing when someone comes up and a politician talks about it. My difference, though, is with local politicians because I think it really. I think a lot of – because even though the RNC and the DNC are very powerful institutions, there, it's very it, – it would be disingenuous for me to say that they have complete and utter control over every single election that mm-hmm. happens because there's thousands of elections happening in the country. Oops, sorry. So the main difference as I see is that with local politicians, those people I can get down with. Okay, <clears throat> because I don't think they're plugged in. The, I don't think they're. I don't really think they're a part of the system as much as larger, like especially federal congressional offices and executive positions. Um, okay, on the hill, as they say. But on local elections, like my township supervisor and my mayor and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just dudes. They're just guys and gals in the community mm-hmm. uh, trying to help out. So, and you can get down with that even if you don't necessarily agree with with them on everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, eventually there comes a point where, <coughs> like, especially in my like in town, the Max Tawney Township, uh, the township supervisors were trying to propose uh, warehouse development, and we don't like warehouses. We want to protect the farmland, protect the rural community, and et cetera, mm. et cetera. So eventually, I mean, there's still the whole thing of, you know, the voting system. Voting happens. Some poli- some local politicians still have to get out. Some of them simply just don't have good ideas. You know what I mean? But I wouldn't. I don't have the same malice that I do for, for, people on the hill. Gotcha. Uh, and th- those type of upper echelon people in the DNC and the RNC. So you so do you, so what I, what I was getting at earlier is like do you see those people as so integral to the system that they have sort of become the system or could you give some I guess like what I'm saying is like is is there any way to humanize these people like a Marjorie Taylor Greene or um, an Ilan Omar that just go off on social media about the latest you know culture war issue. Like, do you think they're bad people or do you think that they've been consumed by a system that breeds um, that kind of behavior? That's a 
That's some beautiful wording right there. Breeds that type of behavior. Because I was, that I think I was gonna, you were going to say that better than I was going to do. Uh, which is that I think that the system does breed that behavior. I mm. think that in, when it comes to a workplace, there's a work culture. Yeah. And in a bureaucracy, there are principles that you want to promote in your bureaucracy. Mm. In the Republican and Democratic Party, they have a culture of corruption and i'll say it again i'll keep saying it because i want it to be ingrained in the frontal cortex of people's minds and <clears throat> i i'm sure there's people that get into federal congress that are there and they're like oh we want to help we're here for the people and eventually they get caught up in the system themselves mm -hmm. right and they're they're victims of their own ambition or something Ooh. like that but i'm i'm skeptical of that my as well because i think at a point because you see people like justin amash who realized it who was a republican i believe he was a republican and he uh one day he was like this is awful <laughs> this sucks <laughs> mm -hmm. and so he he declared independent and i think then libertarian and then he peaced out if you know the system is if you if you understand how and people like justin amash they know if he knows, they all know. They know they're contributing to it. And therefore, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you're if you if you truly are a you are a victim of your own ambition, then the mm. next step is, oh, you realize this is bad. Maybe it's time to go somewhere else to make change. Not mm -hmm. not on not in federal Congress, maybe just a mayor or maybe just your local community. Uh, that's what I'm a very. I'm a very big person for decentralization. I'm a big person for people. Decentralization of, of a political power. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Giving more autonomy to the townships, the counties, and the cities to do what they feel is necessary. What about the state? This like the individual states? I guess that too. Okay. <laughs> so uh, just pulling, pulling all of that away from mm -hmm. the federal government. Yeah. In one form or another. I mean, it's up to each... I mean, you, it's, it's hard to say, uh, like, it's hard to say what exactly that looks like because, like, on in Pennsylvania, there's a municipal code mm -hmm. for each township to follow, and that's going to be different from each state. They all have their own municipal codes, or right. I don't even know if some states even have a municipal code. So it's hard to say that, like, when I say, oh, there, I, I want decentralization of political power, what does that mean exactly? Well... All I can speak for is my state and what I've mm -hmm. studied. Right. So I don't know about Ohio or New Jersey because you're different from, from my state, mm -hmm. which I appreciate, by the way. I'm not saying we should all uh, have the same shit going on. But, yeah. So I don't know. If, you're, if, you're, if you know the system's bad and you're a victim of your own ambition or whatever, then uh, realize that be like Justin Amash and peace out and do something else. Uh, I'm sure you'll find some employment. Mm -hmm. So then, uh, do you do you think that there is still a need for? So then, w w if this decentralization of power in DC uh, would happen, what would you leave the federal government around to do? Yeah, like what would you leave them around for? I think the federal government provides an important role for things that require a national effort. 
of some sort, mm -hmm. or especially foreign policy. You can't, a nation needs a, some sort of foreign policy. They need a military. So the federal, I'm not, when I say decentralization of, of power, right, uh, I'm saying that there are some things where I think the, currently the federal government holds, especially when it comes to political accountability, Mm -hmm. There's a sort of centralization of accountability that I see where people look people are, are look towards instead of their community or their local municipal uh, elected official for assistance, people look towards their their federal congressman or their senator. Mm -hmm. And I think that needs to change because they can't honestly in the in the grand scheme of the federal system of government and what we have they can't really do much to affect your day to day. The city council or your township supervisor, they mo they have more control over your day-to-day -day life when it comes to zoning, fixing the roads or whatever, mm -hmm. than the federal government has. But I think the federal government do still provides an important role of when it comes to national efforts. Like, for example, I think there should be uh, universal health care. I mm -hmm. think there should be universal education. I think those would help. I think if you do them properly and you don't just throw it out there and you don't and uh it becomes just a bloated piece of garbage i mean it, everything has to be like that obviously those require a national effort of some sort mm -hmm. and if you're talking about revitalizing infrastructure or something like a national high-speed railway system i love public infrastructure so much if you're talking about that you are going to require you know, not just Pennsylvania to do that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? If you want a national high-speed railway system. So I think the federal go government provides an important role. I'm just saying for right now, I think they, especially when it comes to accountability, I think they have too much power. And mm -hmm. I think we need to start, we need to start thinking more local. I actually do agree with that. I do like that. I mean, I've always said that like, the local the local elections are the most important ones. Mm -hmm. Like that's the area where all the focus should be on. I think a lot of the focus goes to the federal. Yep. And, and that's not a good thing. Okay, so then um this could be a maybe a little fun <laughs> thought experiment. Uh can you can you give me one thing you like about uh DeSantis or Trump? And then maybe one thing that you like about Biden. Hmm. So the one things that I think about is so for Trump, mm -hmm. I already this one. It's the uh, he banned he he made he made animal abuse illegal. I don't think a lot of people know that is that he he passed a law where uh, animal abuse is officially a crime that you can get sentenced to jail for now. Really? Mm -hmm. So that that's one thing for Trump. For DeSantis, um, from a political like science perspective, I mean his marketing for for governor and stuff like that i mean it was it was pretty damn good <laughs> mm -hmm. like i can't you, you like i hate like i don't like the two i don't like it right mm -hmm. it's definitely disgusting but if you're looking at from like a purely machiavellian standpoint uh, of i need political power and i'm gonna do whatever it takes i mean he did well with his wording he did well with his marketing he did a lot of like populist sort of moves to to get people to swing votes his way so from that perspective that's something i can say 
it was well done. I'm not gonna say I appreciate it or okay. or something like that's that's awesome. I, I would say that that's something I can say like, oh, you know, that was that was well done. Like mm -hmm. a chess move. You know what I mean? Sure. That's a good chess move. <laughs> a good chess move. For Biden, mm -hmm. I guess I would say the same thing with the same thing with DeSantis. I'm not a Trump supporter, by the way. <laughs> I'd just like to let everyone know I'm not a Trump supporter. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I think he's a I think he's also I think he's a symptom of the of the problem. I would also was, agree with that. He was a very divisive character. Yeah. I don't think he's I don't think he's the disease. No. I don't think he's the actual problem. I think he's just a a symptom, yeah. Yeah. But the Democrats want him to be the disease so that he they can uh they can constantly talk about him. They talk talked about him for like four years now. They're still going strong with it. Um for Biden, same thing I would say is that he was a he he wanted to, he went up there and he was like, I'm the unity candidate. Do you think he's been that though? No. No, okay. Because okay. He, he, I don't, I don't think he could even be if he wanted to. Because he, again, he's a part of the system. He has the D next to his name. He, he's contributed to it, right? Everyone mm -hmm. knows it. You can see his political history, and whatever, whatever people say, I, I can't, and I, I don't think a lot of the things he's done, especially with the, I think of the trade union crushing that he did the the rail work, railroad worker strike that's awful <laughs> like i i don't think i could i don't know why the i think the unions endorsed him cuz i don't i don't know i don't know why the unions endorsed him they he crushed a railroad strike but whatever um i can i can I'd, i can say that was a good chess piece move by going in there trump was a divisive character He's the opposite. He's the unity candidate. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's been providing unity whatsoever. And whatever wording he says, right, or whatever marketing he does, obviously it hasn't been working because his approval ratings have been diving and people and polarization has been rising under his, his, his jurisdiction. But if I were to say, like, he was the cause of it, I would just say, like, with Trump, he's just a symptom. Oh yeah, I, to be honest, I wouldn't blame Biden for nearly as much of the polarization as I would blame Trump for. Yeah. To be fair, I just blame the institutions. I just well, mm -hmm. no, I blame them. They're part of the institution. Institutions are made of humans, but if you're talking about like what's the cause of the problem, it's the institutions. Mm -hmm. They those things have a culture, culture of corruption, um, <clears throat> which is really unfortunate because. But the institutions are made of people, aren't they? Like you said that. So yeah. there's got to be a way to change them. There's got to be a way to get that culture. Is there a way to get the culture of corruption out? You, so you're talking about like a reform from the inside argument I've seen from people where it's... Sure. Where, I mean, I assume. I'm sorry for assuming. Yeah, well, I, I guess there's like the, the, one, the one argument that I hear from people in my generation and a little bit from um, my fellow uh, point pranksters shout out, um, is that I, I see some people, I call it like the tear it all down mentality, mm -hmm. like the, the postmodernist idea that all the institutions need to be leveled down to the bottom and then rebuilt type thing. I don't really like that argument very much. Um, I guess I would be more in the camp of like, let's see if we can, um, like you said, sort of like plug something into them to 
try to change it from the inside yeah. type thing. I so in the foundations of the gut, like if you look at the skeleton, that there's they, a fly, like this little goober, like the little goober. He keeps landing on my mic and stuff. Sorry, it, like he's still here. He's, a, he's actually a he's actually a plant from the parties. He's making sure this conversation doesn't happen. You you see it here first, folks. Um, so in the skeleton, like if you're talking about the structure of how our government's made, like the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the federal system government, I don't have any issues with any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say, when I talk about if there's something that I want to see built up from the ground up, it would be a new party with okay. new principles in the workplace of a of that that promote certain cult uh, a certain culture that isn't what it is now Mm -hmm. i don't think i think that right now the democratic and republican party they have fine-tuned their bureaucracies to make sure the status quo will continue and even if there are people that come in that say we are against the establishment i am anti-establishment and they do that wording my thought is yeah, you say that. Like a lot of politicians say they want to heal the divide, but hmm, you are a part of the system that causes it, right? You are a part of the status quo, whether you like it or not. And I guess there is an argument that they are benefactors of it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tell you what, when they pass that I hate oil bill, I wonder how many how many congressmen are selling or shorting those stocks of the oil companies. That's That's just one of the most despicable things that I've seen is that they that those positions are used when you talk about flow of money there's a direct correlation right there where their money is their their position allows them in it, it, to be in an advantageous area where they can pass change the economy fundamentally or change industries fundamentally with regulation or whatever and therefore buy or sell stocks in those industries so mm-hmm. that they profiteer off of it. Yeah, did you see that new bill that um, <clears throat> I think Matt Gates put it on the floor? It's the Pelosi Act. It's like prevent elected um, leaders from owning and selling um, investments or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that, and and it's like it's sponsored, like it's a co, it's a bipartisan effort with Matt Gates and AOC. Yeah, and I think a lot of people like it because it's bipartisan. Uh, all I think is I point back to the audit, the audit, the Pentagon Act, where people said, "Oh, people rightfully are like, hey, the Pentagon just loses track of their money, like all the time, all the time, like a few trillion dollars." It's like, "Oh, hey, our national debt's rising. We have issues with our budget. Where did all this a trillion dollars go?" Well, we don't know. And so they introduced the thing called the Audit the Pentagon Act. You know what happened? It got introduced. That's where that's where it ended. <laughs> it didn't go through. Mm-hmm. So if you if I'm when I think about people putting uh, popular bills, all I think about is they're putting them in. They know it's going to die, and and yeah, they just they know it's going to die, but they know it's popular to do. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean they can put the ban stock trading app, but do I think you guys actually want to ban stock trading? Uh uh. So. If I think about any when 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 I'm talking about structural change, you ha- I have to see it, I'm seeing it from the the institutions themselves, the two parties. There needs to be a third party that builds up from the local and grassroots level. Start. I I don't 
really like when it comes to the stare party shout out to the stare party s-t-a-i-r mm-hmm. i am not focused or we are not focused on any federal elections state mm. maybe but most importantly county city township village whatever mm-hmm. i think that something needs to be built from the outside pushing in and it starts by starting the conversation in your in those local communities and especially in the universities because you get the youth to talk about it so that way it's in the it's in the minds of the people that are that are going into higher education and in high school as well so yeah and do you only want one more party or do you want many parties? I mean, ideally, you you know, like the four party says, like we want four or five more parties. Mm-hmm. When it comes to realistically speaking, because proportional representation would, requ- would require a constitutional amendment, mm-hmm. I would say that for now, it needs to just be, we just need one, one third party that that is strong enough to fight because it will take a lot of fighting mm-hmm. to do this. It will take a lot of, it's going to be a hard battle. Politics in some ways is a attritional trench warfare where you have to go from one trench to another. It feels like the battle just continues and continues. Eventually there is an end. Eventually you do reach Paris, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, a lot of the times you're just trudging through no man's land or you're getting trench foot, right? So when I, you're talking, like, when I see people talk about, like, the statistics of there is a new third party, like, people want it, this is going to be so easy, there's just going to be a tipping point, uh, I don't believe that. I think it's going to have to be, I think the third party is going to have to be built through hard, arduous work from the people. And that, and I think, as a temporary measure, that should be a third party. Um, people, it's just better for branding. It's better for marketing. It's better structurally, I think. Mm-hmm. And then as time goes on and the system starts to diversify and people are like, okay, we want something new. Or let's say in, you can, I think, like, it would be more, it would be more realistic to say, like, in a state, a, a one state, they start thinking about, like, I know Oregon just passed uh, statewide rank choice voting. Really? Mm-hmm. Yippers. So, and, like, Maine, they also have statewide rank choice voting. So, eventually, I, I wouldn't be surprised if eventually proportional representation goes to one of the states. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then from there, you can say, okay, now we have an ability to form coalitions, have three or four different parties and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But for now, if we're, if we're talking a realistic standpoint, purely... So you, you want one new third party that comes in to open up the door for other parties to come in later on if the people choose mm-hmm. to do that. Yes. And at the state level, that's going to be easier to do because if a state does pass yeah. um, statewide ranked trust and it's, it's better to It's even easier to <clears throat> do at a local level. To, gotcha. to get a just get a city council person in, like for example, you win a seat for the for the stair party or the Ford party or the Libertarian party. Now people, it's in the name, it's in the local government. There mm-hmm. is a Libertarian making laws for their community, and now you can prove to them that you can. Sorry, you can benefit them. 
Right. Um, so I, the only thing I'm worried about, like what you just said, is when you put that argument in the context of like hard, like fighting, like it's going to be difficult. Do you worry about that actually in some ways also contributing to polarization if you're looking at um, Republicans or, or Democrats and saying like, hey, like I understand that your focus is very much not on everyday people, but it's on the institutions. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But I think that's sort of the problem is that um, right now the American public is seeing an attack on the institution as an attack on them. Hmm. Like, for example, Trump being indicted. uh, I think that it's possible that Republicans look at that and and they uh, see that sort of coming back on them Mm. in a way. I think what I would say in response is that if from what I've observed is that they don't really I mean you could argue that they attack the institutions but i think there's a there's an underlying message of the democrats the republicans this new identity this mm-hmm. new this new thing mm-hmm. this uh, it's almost it reminds me of like it reminds me of these the republicans and democratic parties creating two new artificial ethnicities and intentionally putting them towards ethnic conflict with each other. That's what it reminds me of. Reminds me of uh, this intentional creation of a new identity, of these new these new identities to pit people against each other. So if you look at the rhetoric from what I've seen at least, there is this underlying message or there is this outright message that your people in your neighborhood, if they identify as something, they are the enemy. And I think it's imperative that we need to separate the institution from the people because mm-hmm. you democrat identified democrat or identified republican you are not the institution you are not what's happening up in federal congress because what's happening up there is not is we can all agree unilaterally is bad and okay disease. but what about the argument then that well what about the, the people put them there the people voted the elected officials into the institutions so do they not then share some of the blame for what the institutions do. I, d- I don't see it that way because they're simply, people are simply just trying to do what's best for their family. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of people simply aren't a, a policymaker. They just, you know, they're somewhat informed. They somewhat know what's going on. Um, and they haven't, like I said, a lot of people simply just don't know there's alternatives. Mm-hmm. And if you want to talk about whose who's fault that is, that's, that's I think uh, what I've observed, especially in the third party movement, is that it's their fault in a lot of ways. Like you can blame the two party system for a lot of the mm, reasons third parties haven't gone anywhere. But I also blame just the inefficiency of internal operations and the inefficiency of bureaucracy in third parties to not be able to get the word out. So. Like, I go back to the same motto. Forgive the people, not the politicians. They're simply trying to do what's best for their family. Okay. Is there anything that the two-party system gets right? Do you have any any compliments for that system at all? Um, let me ponder this for a bit. Let me, let me do a little bit of pondering. Okay. I could pause the recording. No, no, it's fine. Okay. I think I'm about to say no. <clears throat> okay. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that the two-party system, as it works, 
as the system is intended to work or the status quo is beneficial in any way whatsoever. Um, I think there is just, I guess it's better than a one party system, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's better than a dictatorship, um, I suppose, but it's not, but it's, it's very, uh, it's still with the way they act. It almost reminds me of an oligarchy with the way that it's almost like a new gilded age that we're seeing where large elite, uh, large corporations have much more influence over policymakers than the average American or the the working class American, and <clears throat> it almost reminds me uh, a lot of the things. You know, my mom she's an immigrant from the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. and she moved to this country because she wanted to escape the the lawlessness there and the culture of corruption, mm-hmm. and um, it almost feels like it's it's. It's it, it really is sad to sometimes see, you know, my mom looking at the news and saying, "This is what hap- This is what's happening in Russia." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is what's going on, and I'm starting to see it in my government, mm-hmm. and it's really unfortunate to see. So, can I say what the only thing I'll say? Is it's better than a a brutalist dictatorship. So, mm-hmm. I think that's something. Do you think that, um, not to like reduce anything, but like, do you think that um, the work that uh, I'm doing, that, that Gavin and Christian and I, all of us are doing in the bridge building movement is sort of, do you think that we need each other? Do you think that, um, that, that our job gets a lot easier or vice versa if, uh, you know, we have third parties or do third parties have an easier time if the country is less polarized? Yeah, I think that I think if the country is less polarized, third parties would would be benefit. I think everyone would benefit from that. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any good side to more polarization or more division in a country. It just mm-hmm. makes everything everyone want to work. It just makes everything harder to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, it's harder to work with people. It's harder for other people to. <laughs> Bro, he flew in my nose. This fly is a. This I'm telling a you, it's an agent. It's an agent. This fly is a government plant for sure. He's trying Absolutely, to shut this thing guys. down. Absolutely, guys. Birds aren't real. Um, Bro flew in my... He flew in, He flew in my nose. Can we get that on recording? He flew into my nose. Can we, like, zoom it in and, like... <laughs> yeah. Zoom it in and, like, see if we can... <laughs> it's on tape. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just... That no, was... No, I, was in, I, I, I was, like, taken aback by that flew in my nose. No, I, I would also be taken aback if a... If a Alive and an alien entity just went into my internal systems. That would also right up the right nostril. Yeah, just right up. Straight there. up. Right, right, right next to the microplastics. Yeah. Um. So okay. Well, that's what I. Well, that's what I figured. I think like I, I think that we. I think that I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad that the forward party. Um, I don't know if they. So I haven't been in contact with them, but I know that I ran into a couple of people that I used to get on Zoom calls with. Yeah. Um, I'm happy that they're here because I do think that. Um, that's a very mutually beneficial relationship. Mm-hmm. If if we are in their spaces and if they are in our spaces, I think the third party movement, the bridge building movement, and like the democracy reform movement, which is like pro yeah. ranked choice voting, pro whatever, uh, ban- like term limits and all that, they are all intertwined in one form or another, whether they like it or not. I guess mm-hmm. the only the only thing I would say with the, like with the Braver Angels convention, the only thing, the only thing I would say is that instead of 
looking at this as red versus blue and coming together, mm-hmm. which kind of it kind of reinforces these two new identities. Yeah, it should be seen as you, your community, and the people versus the upper echelon and versus the elite. That's the only thing I would say. And I understand it's I understand the practicality of like you put the blue land you're on. So in the Braver Angels convention, yeah, a lot of people aren't don't know. So mm. at the Braver Angels convention, in order to have like people know who like where they lean, you would put on a blue lanyard to say that you're liberal, left leaning, or you you tend to vote Democrat. Yes. And if you put on a red lanyard, you're right leaning, or you tend to vote Republican. If you put on a yellow lanyard. Like me, like me, yeah. <laughs> uh, you you just felt as if those either the it was like other slash independent type thing. You simply you didn't feel like it identified with you whatsoever. Right, and then there was a white lanyard, which was that you either um, it was like if you didn't want to uh, disclose your political affiliation for legal or professional reasons. So, yeah. for example, uh, Ross Irwin and Manu Meal from Bridge USA, uh, they had yellow, or I'm sorry, they had white lanyards on. Um, mm. like not disclosing their political affiliation, but yeah, I, I think I agree with you. And that was something that got talked about whenever we were, um, whenever we created, whenever the, the delegation, uh, created the, the new platform for 2023 was that someone voiced that the red and blue argument does actually kind of reinforce the problem that we are trying to solve. Is that the one guy that voted no? Uh, no, actually the one guy that voted no, <clears throat> um, actually stood up and he made a good point was that. Um, in the platform, we said that we wanted uh, this organization and this grassroots movement to properly represent America. And he said, well, the only way, um, for those who don't know, the the delegation, the convention this year had a perfect red-blue split. There was a perfectly balanced between reds and blues. Mm-hmm. And the only way they were able to do that is by telling a lot of the blues to stay home because the organization is only about 20% red and it's less than 20% independent. And the rest of those are either whites or blues. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, it's a very heavy blue, which is a problem that we're going to have to address. We have to find a way to get more reds into the movement, but he's the guy that voted no. Yeah. So the reason I think the bridge building movement is, is, is left leaning. I don't think it's because conservatives aren't willing to bridge build. I think that conservatives, from what I've observed, they simply don't, they have, there's certain values that they hold dear and they don't, they feel like there's other ways to heal the divide. And that could be through, that is either through faith or family or community. That's what the main three principles I've seen. And so you'll see that conservatives are bridge building. They're simply bridge building in their church. You know what I mean? that's, I think, uh, Pierce Godwin. He also talked about that. He's the CEO of the Listen First Project. Yeah. He talked about that as well. Uh, conservatives aren't apprehensive to bridge building. It's not like it's not art. It's not like this um, sort of savior complex mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like the left must teach these these <laughs> these lessers to yeah. to uh, you know be be like us and be right. be united it's more like yeah we're not with the nonprofit but we're with our church right we're with our family that's where mm. that's where our values are and that's where we think we need to be 
um, if we want to bridge build. So, but to but to but to go against that, I met plenty of people here that were church going people that were Reds that were like, yeah, I'm here because this is going to help my church. And I also met people here that were. Um, oh, I I lost that second train of thought. But like, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I think you're right about that. But I also think that. Um, that that they can do both. I think they can be a part of the movement and they can take stuff away from that and apply it to their communities. And also, that's what I was going to say. Brave Rangers is a very community-focused organization. It's a very community-focused movement. Mm-hmm. So I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. It, what I would say in response is might be just a marketing thing. Yeah, we need to just do more outreach towards those people. Mm-hmm. Try to get them involved. They're saying it's these people that said this is really going to help my church. Okay, so you know other churches in your area. Do you know of them? What do you think? How do you think they would be more uh, willing to join this movement? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So. Well, that's how the whole that the whole organization started in a church basement. That's awesome. Right after, wait, do, do, were you there for that very first when they talked about it started in a church basement with um. I think it was with 11 Trump voters and 11 Hillary voters and um because it was right a- it was right after the election and everyone was just in shock. All good things start in a basement and or garage. So That is true. Dang, this didn't start in either one of those two. Yeah, this started This on a- this podcast started on a in a dang college campus. I think you're just you're just destined to fail. We're now. doomed. We're no. Doomed. I can't believe it. We're doomed. I mean, I mean, I'm doomed to fail as well. The stair party started in my mama's house when I was when I was, was seven. It, was it in the garage or the basement? Uh, no, it was actually no, it was upstairs. No, it's over for me, you guys. UAM started where? He doesn't even know. <sighs> Let's hope it was in a basement or a. Let's hope a, it was in a, in a garage. Otherwise, we're all doomed here. Okay, Ooh. maybe there's a chance for UAM. I don't think Bridge USA was started in either. Oh, gosh. Guys, if you were born, if you were born not in a basement or a garage, it is over for you. <laughs> it, you might as well just give up now. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like those, like, finance guru, like, <laughs> things that's, like, reasons why you're not rich. Uh, you don't have the, you, you don't grind 11 hours a day and save up $8,000 a month or something, like, ridiculous. I love those things. <laughs> so I, good. I, the, the entrepreneur things where they spell entrepreneur wrong in their profile photo. <laughs> And it's like, here's my morning routine. I wake up at 3 a.m. I take a cold shower. No, for I, I, an, five ice, hours. an ice bath. It's an ice bath. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You take a cold shower for five hours. You take an ice bath for five hours. You go on a walk for 15,000 miles. You go on a pure sprint. And then you go home and you just you work know, your drop shipping you, site. Absolutely. You look, you look at the rare fish market and see what's available to you. Um, and you get your rich uncles. <laughs> you get your multiple rich uncles from Honduras to help you out. Um, and I love those. And then you go to They're sleep. So good. You go to sleep at 2 a.m. And you start it all over at 3 a.m. You only get one hour of sleep. If you're sleeping more than one hour, you have essentially failed at life. I agree, and and I'm and I'm going to conclude this with with one of those videos that I just recently found on Instagram and saved it. I'm hoping if I just play it into my mic, <laughs> people will be able to hear it. Well, that that should work, right? If I just play it into the mic, they'll be able to hear it. Okay, here we go, and hopefully you'll be able to hear this as well. Okay, here we go. My day 
is 6 a.m. to noon. And I'm not crazy. You're crazy for thinking it takes 24 hours, just like some dude in a cave did 300 years ago. My second day starts at noon and goes till 6 p.m. That's day two. And then the next day is 6 p.m. to midnight. What I've done now is I have changed and manipulated time. I now get 21 days a week. Stuck it up over a year. You know, though. Stuck it up over five years. My entire life is different than it would have been otherwise. <laughs> so this guy is like, I get 21 days a week. I get one. So I was, so I was like, I hope bro doesn't go to jail because that's soft sentence. hands, bro. 81 years in jail. No. <laughs> you get soft hands. You're you're only working 24 hours a day. I work 32 days a week. All right. No, you seriously. Have soft I, hands, brother. I, I I love that video because someone in the comments was like, every day is one second to me. I have beat this man in one year. I am older than human civilization itself. <laughs> There's a there, my favorite quote. I, I must I must say this before we we pop off. You know, Bill Gates started at 21 years old. I think Steve Jobs at tw at 20. I believe. Mm -hmm. It's too late for you guys. Give up. <laughs> Give up. It's too late. <laughs> it's <good>. anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, we we've got to wrap up because we got to finish packing up and make the long oh, yeah. drive home. It's 11. Almost. It's 11:25. 11:25, brother. Well. It was a pleasure, sir. Absolutely. Thank you very much for coming on. We'll we'll stay in touch and definitely. Um, are you gonna like try to get to the Bridge USA Summit or something? Like, are you gonna try to get over there and? If they give me a scholarship, when is when is it? I don't know if they do those for that. Um, it's usually, I think it's gonna be in February. February. If they give if they give me a free trip, then I will. Other than very that, cool. I'm broke, so I ain't giving Understood. no money. I need Understood. that money for food, burgers. For burgers. For burgers. I yeah. only eat burgers. Only burgers. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Good luck with the stair party. I think it's very cool. Appreciate and um, it. yes. Bye, everybody. All right. It's We're been out. real, guys.